Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakundo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Five to up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by James Jarvis. And James, I would like to give a special welcome today. A special welcome. If you are listening to this, Anthony Albanese, g'day. Uh, thank you so much for saying that if the Matildas win the World Cup, we get a public holiday. I'm excited. The precedent has been set that if they win the World Cup, we get a public holiday in Australia. I don't think there's any other sports except for maybe states that have a public holiday for grand final weekend in the NRL and the AFL. But I don't know if there's any other national sports that get a public holiday when we win Cricket World Cup, when we've won that, nothing there. When we've won the NRL, the Rugby League World Cup. They have a World Cup. They do have a World Cup. Interesting. I, I don't know the last time the Wallabies won any sort 2000. of... Okay. the last uh, World Cup the Wallabies won. Okay. And I don't know if there really was a public holiday there either. So, big, big news if Matildas get over the line. That is a big task. It's not something that I think we should assume will happen necessarily. But we can throw what, our support What do you mean? It. Sam goes my guy. Sam Kerr uh, is fantastic, and we could start a whole other football podcast dedicated to Sam Kerr. We're not going to, but I've been having to temper the expectations of the people that I work with going, hey, the, so- the not Matildas, that's a, that's a strike for me. But uh, the Matildas, they're good, but, but they're, not, they're not guaranteed to win this thing. They're, it's going to be a tough battle, and we could see it happen, but it's not guaranteed. So... I'd happily welcome a public holiday. Thank you very much, Anthony Albanese. Uh, Thank you for looking out for us and for, I guess, giving football some positive news. It's nice. It it is nice. James, this show is all about Socceroos. We'll shift away from the Matildas. This show is the Socceroos podcast, and we're wanting to focus on the future, really, of football in this nation, but through the lens of the Socceroos, hopefully one day seeing us progress to the final, to a, to a World Cup win ourselves in, in the men's uh, side of the game. And there has been a lot of football happening for the men. Both uh, the Socceroos are about to kick off in, what, just three hours now as we record this. So we won't do any coverage of the Socceroos, or very little. We might talk about the players that made the squad and that sort of thing. But I imagine by the time this episode goes out, the, the game will already be over. So it's not really much point. Sounds wise. So let's talk about, I guess, we'll go around the grounds. We'll also talk about transfers. There's been plenty of transfers for, for future fringe and frequent soccerers. And we've also had the tournaments, the under-18s and the under-23s have been playing a fair few tournaments. So shall we get into this episode? We'll go around the grounds first. Sounds good. James, there's... Only been a couple of club games played recently. Uh, obviously, many of the seasons are wrapping up, but just before 
the Socceroo squad was announced, we saw that Mitch Duke had quite a good game. He's heading into camp in good form. Yeah, a couple of goals. Don't, you don't mind those. Uh, but yeah, big season so far for Mitch Duke. Of course, goal-wise, not really anything insane, but you can't don't really expect that from Mitch Duke, really. You expect him to chip in, be a good target forward, help link up play, and that's what he does. And he, that's what he's continuing to do because, I mean, his side's top of the league in J2. Um, currently, favourites, I'd say, to get promoted. So great things to see out of there. There you go. Uh, and also, uh, another striker doing well, John Iredell. He's His side just got promoted uh, to the second Bundesliga. I know we spoke about him the last time we did an episode, maybe, and they were halfway through their two-legged fixture. They were up 4-0. So it's really much of a muchness. I think it was a formality almost at that point. But you can never be too sure in football. Yeah, they're through. They do. And another Australian in Bundesliga too. That's, what, three there now? I think so, off the top of my head. Good times. Good times. Good times will be had. Any other football happening around the world, around the grounds, that you think is worth noting, James? Uh, Well, of course, we saw Hristich survive. um, Yes. Relegation by the skin of his teeth. Yes. Uh, Just just escaped that, which is good for him, even though he didn't feature. I've never understood that saying, by the way. I know that's sidetracking us, and we've got a lot to talk about. But the skin of your teeth, I've never quite understood that. Well, if you've got skin on your teeth. Yeah, but that... No, you don't. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. It's a very thin layer. That's the whole point. That's no, surely not. That's that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you have skin scales. That's why when you it gets thicker when you don't brush your teeth, which is that little white layer that you get sometimes in your teeth. Mm, I've I've just done a quick Google. Uh, thanks to Doctor Rob, um, microscopic bacteria on your mouth form a film. Uh, in bracket or skin. So there you go. No, but I, I see, I think it's a film. It's not the same as our normal skin. No, it's not the same, but it would still be classified as a skin cell. Anyway, we're not a biology podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, what I need to get into the system is I need to get uh, the um, Infantino today, I feel, uh, because I feel like this podcast likes to switch up what we do from time to time. Today, I feel like a skin cell podcast. Um, no, let's let's... Get into... That would be a good sound bit, though. It would be. It'd be a, a great little grab. I'll work on that for next episode, uh, especially because we do like to shift around. We like to be a Hearts podcast. We like to be a Viking podcast. And I, I guess today... Today we're very much a biology podcast, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Hopefully not too, too much. Uh, James, there have been plenty of transfers that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, and and rumoured transfers as well. There's, there's so many of them. Let's get into them. Let's chat about... the. Socceroos and future Socceroos that have been on the move. James, let's kick this off with someone who I actually don't know if he played for the Socceroos. I don't think he did. He, he definitely played football, but not at a Socceroos no. level. I don't think he was technically. He was semi pro. Yeah. But I don't know if he ever actually even went professional. No, I don't, I don't think he did. But he 100% is the most professional manager that we have seen in this nation. It's true. And just got a new job. Just got a new job. Former Socceroos manager. Over in, what? Over in Japan. Okay. I'm obviously talking about Ange Postacoglu. And I'm obviously speaking about uh, Pete Klamovsky. Say that last name again. Klamovsky. CK. <laughs> so when your name starts out with a CK, I'm going to struggle. You're just not saying with any conviction, James. C-K-L-A-M-O-V-S-K-I. 
Okay. Klamovsky. Okay. Klamovsky, he's obviously, congrats to him, got the job in Tokyo. I'm talking about Ange Postacoglu. At this point, it's old news now, but he's he's got the job at Spurs. Very briefly, how do you think he's going to go? And what are you expecting to see from Ange? Uh, I think he's going to go phenomenally, I think. Um, unfortunately for my... Um personal laughter at my friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, Tottenham we, are actually going to do quite well. We both have friends who are Tottenham supporters. Yeah, it's and unfortunate. It, it, it's it kind of, it's painful a little bit because mm. they're always the butt of the joke. Yeah. And, and, they and now they're be, going to be good. They can't be the butt of the joke anymore. I'm planning a trip over at the end of the year to go to Europe and one of these Tottenham friends is like, oh, we'll have to go watch a Tottenham game. You poor thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, I want to go see Ange. I'd actually booked to go to Scotland to see a Celtic game. Oh, no. Hadn't, hadn't put, paid tickets to to go to the game yet, obviously. But we'd planned to go to Scotland to watch Ange, and now I'm having to go see Tottenham. Oh. That, that's unfortunate, mate. It is. Do you, do you think that he will be supported by the club, by Daniel Levy? Um, I was, obviously, last episode, um, mm. I was very sceptical. Uh, but having seen what Levy has said, I'm now very confident. I mean, he's been given a four-year deal, mate. That's yeah. a huge commitment. Mourinho and Conte didn't get a four-year deal. And he's not the sort of guy who takes a job, I don't think, in which he doesn't have the control that he wants. I, I think he does. You, don't, you, you think he... Yeah. I, I, th- I think he backs himself enough that he'll earn that control very quickly. Interesting. See, I think it's generally it's Ange's way or it's it's no way. And Oh, and, he'd, it would still be his way or the highway, but he would do it in his own way to make sure it happens. Okay, sure. Because there's a funny story. It's It's kind of sad. It kind of shows you where the club was at uh, before he came in. But I know someone who worked behind the scenes at the Raw when he first came to the Raw, and he didn't even have an office. This, <laughs> no. this is pre-Bakery days. So this is before the club's gone even worse in the hole. But when he rocked up at Ballymore, uh, which is where the Reds train, yeah. for those who don't know, he didn't have an office to, to do anything out of. And he was like, how do you expect me to manage this club and I don't even have a place to sit at. Like, I don't even have a desk. How how can I manage this football club? Fair to say, uh, the second day he was there, the office was organized. And that was the start of, a, a really, the Andrew Revolution in the, that we saw in the A-League. And then he's gone on to greater heights since then. So I'm, I imagine first day of the office in Tottenham might be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the signings that they're teeing up, they're all Ange signings as well. They fit his system. So I... I, I believe it will work out fine. I think Levy will back him. And what I think is the biggest statement is when Levy said he, one of the reasons he liked Ange was he was able to look at what the Celtic bosses and the pressure they were under and how he alleviated the pressure from them by just letting him be him. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's part of the reason he got Ange is to alleviate the pressure from him because he could just trust Ange. Yeah. No, just it, release everything onto him and he'll deal with it. It's it's going to be exciting but yeah, as you say, we both know Tottenham supporters, and it's it's an exciting time though for just Australian managers in general, right? Yeah, because we've now got an Australian in the Premier League. We've got two phenomenal coaches now in the Japanese leagues, and I mean, we're progressing as a Socceroos side as well with the Oliroos also having a really good tournament off to the semi-finals. So really exciting times for Australian management, and really exciting times for young players coming through. It'll be interesting to see if potentially we may see some Australians join Ange over in the Premier League soon because it feels like that time is starting to come probably in the next five years. 
Mate, what a tease for later on the episode talking about the Ollie Roos. But yeah, I think Ange is very much someone who is leading the way for, for managers in Australia. I would love, in an absolute dream world, if he wins a couple of trophies with Tottenham, maybe not the league, maybe maybe a couple of cup tournaments, because you know I still it's Tottenham, it's Tottenham, and then gets a gets a bigger job overseas. One of these, you know, one one league, like can you imagine him at Bayern or him at Paris? I can't imagine him at Paris. No, I just think it, it'd be fun. So he goes to Paris, goes to Bayern, wins some trophies, does well in Europe, and then comes back to Liverpool. How good? No. Yeah, no. As a well, Liverpool, I can imagine him. As a Liverpool supporter, fantastic. When I think Ange Postacoglu, and I think of the way he likes to play, I just think Barcelona, and I think Real Madrid. Yeah, that would be something. That really would be something. Knowing Ange Postacoglu wouldn't rule it out. What's the What's the award for the greatest manager? Of the, is, like, obviously, the Ballon d'Or is the greatest footballer. Is there... A... I don't know what it is, but I propose it's the Johan Cruyff Trophy. Okay, well... Um, Here we go. You reckon Ange will ever win that in his lifetime? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it. I can't wait. If you win the trophy with Tottenham, you win every award, don't you? <laughs> you you took this club to a trophy. Wow! Congratulations. Anyway, I think I think we're a podcast about the player, so yeah, it's t- probably today. I feel like an Ange Postecoglou <laughs> podcast. James, there have been some more transfers, not just managers. Uh, we spoke about last episode. Nectar Triantis. Uh, he's off to Sunderland. It's been confirmed. Five hundred k Australian. Decent coin for Central Coast. They they're developing them pretty well, um, and getting some money for us as well. So that'd be nice for them. Um, also, we still haven't heard anything about Cummings, but th- that might be some more coin for Mariners. Yeah, it would be significant compensation as well, I'd imagine. So that would be nice. It would be very nice. Uh, do you expect to see him starting at Sunderland, or will he have to fight his way into the team? I mean, it's just a Bailey Wright regen, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Maybe, hopefully, higher ceiling than Bailey Wright. No, I think he's going to be a rotation player in the championship this year. Um, I think what would be a success is to see him probably play about 20 games. Awesome. That's great to see. We'll, we'll, we'll mark that if he gets past that 20 then game Then it's a mark. very successful season. Well, that's great. Uh, O'Neill, Aidan O'Neill, off to standard Liege. Yeah, uh, good in, move. In Belgium. Better sign up for ESPN because they have the rights to... Pro League, and yeah. we're starting to get quite a few Aussies over there. We are. I mean, Jordan Boss is over in, in Belgium now as well. Jelicic? Uh, Jelicic, yeah. So a couple of Aussies over in Belgium. It was. I know that there was rumours of him maybe joining Kuznorbo in France. I'm yeah. glad he actually hasn't, because I I don't think Kuznorbo's going to last. No. And I worry that he would just be seen as a Kuznorbo signing and kind of thrown out. Yeah, if, if and when I think it's goes. A, I think it's a good move, and is is I might be wrong here, but is Holland also still over in Belgium? Uh, We've also got Jason Davidson. Yes, there's there's actually a number of Aussies. We'll, we we might have to become uh, a Belgian pro league podcast. <laughs> We're really expanding this wow. uh, this cat catalog, I guess of of podcasts. Um, but no, I think a good move, a solid move for Aidan O'Neill. Hopefully, he performs well. Very good move, I'd say. Hopefully performs well against Argentina. Is am I right in saying that he's looking? Arnold's looking to play him potentially. Yeah, taste for the start with Keanu Bacchus. Okay, well, we'll find out when this episode's released whether that's actually happened. Whether he he did get to play, I'm hoping that he has a better performance against Argentina than he did 
in the A-League Grand Final. I think a bit of a rebound would be good for him and, and great for the standard Liege fans to see a little glimpse of, I guess, what they can hopefully expect. Yeah. Argentina probably won't name the best side ever, but nice level of opposition to test yourself against. Oh, yeah. I mean, their best side is amazing, obviously. Yeah. They won the World Cup. Yeah. And their second eleven is still a phenomenal side yes. that is, I'd say, name for name, far bigger than ours and is top five league quality. So a huge opportunity nonetheless. Uh, J- James, another one that hasn't been confirmed by the club, at least the Australian club, it's been confirmed by uh, his old club, Bill to Western Sydney Wanderers. Not confirmed. I believe that was a Cadiz news outlet that had the oh. same logo as the oh, club. I've been for baited. maximum confusion because obviously we don't speak Spanish. I've been baited. Uh, Mabil, supposedly, to Western Sydney Wanderers. We've spoken about him returning to the A-League. I think that's probably best for him. He's a decorated soccer at this point in his career. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know how many games he has played, but... I think you'd be surprised just at how many caps he'd have for the Socceroos. Yeah, it would be around 30, I feel. And to see him return to the A-League, I think that's probably where mm. he'll shine. Uh, almost like Craig Goodwin. Just He's only 27, though. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. I, I just... I don't know if he's, he's had a... He obviously won the title this season, but his involvement in his contribution... Yeah other than being a squad player, wasn't really there. So yeah. I think it might be nice for him to really come back to the A-League where he should be one of the leading players yeah. and really showcase what he can do. I feel like a huge part of it for Alma Bill is he had a couple of really great seasons for Midland when he was playing on the right wing. And then he wasn't he didn't seem to enjoy playing on the right wing, even though he's best on the right wing. And then he started playing a lot more left wing and he's just not as good there. And it kind of led to this spiral of, well, he's not good enough as a left winger in the European leagues, uh, which is where he is now. Um, and he's still got significant time left in this Cadiz contract. I believe it runs through to 2026. So looking to be a loan move to Western Sydney Wanderers. But I think it's a good move for him. Makes sense. I mean, football's obviously, at the end of the day, about enjoyment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he, he enjoys playing in the left wing. Good for him. Uh, but the A-League is probably his level then as a left winger. So I think it's a really good move, but he could be phenomenal on the left wing in the A-League and an absolutely excelling player. And it'll be really exciting to have him back. A good replacement uh, for Leuni, I think. He played more so on the right. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's more of the um, Yeni Batoko okay. replacement, but uh, still a very good replacement nonetheless. A, yeah, a great, a great get for Wanderers if they can get it across the line. Another rumoured signing, this time leaving the A-League, Marco Tilio. Potentially off to Rapid Vienne uh, in Austria. Yeah, a uh, bit of a bit of a rumor on that one that Rapid Vienne were sniffing around, bit of interest. Yeah, something like that. Um, there's a mute button on your bike, mate. Just if you've got a bit of a nose a, a, issue. A sniffle? No, no, yeah. no. I was, I was just. We don't have a sound tr- a sound effect for. Oh, so you're doing it yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. A bit of live foley. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's that- how it's how you do it. I hope you're coming into the Adelib soon, mate. Yeah, uh, I will. <laughs> that's good. Uh, but right. yeah, Marco Tilio. Uh, it would be a good move for him, I think. Um, I feel like a lot of European clubs still aren't sold on Marco Tilio. Um, there's still a bit more refinement, I think, in terms of his technical ability. Mm. I feel like he isn't quite as 
good in terms of passing pockets as he should be uh, at this stage of his career. So there's a bit of concern around that. But there's also the argument that once he moves over, he'll develop that a lot more quickly because he'll be put in positions to grow in that because you don't really get those opportunities in Australia because it's a transitional-based game. So uh, a bit of an interesting one there. But El Rapid Vienna, I think, is the kind of club Marco Tilia should be aiming to go to. It's a very natural fit for him. Uh, the Austrian League, the Pro League, the Swiss League, I think as well would be a phenomenal choice. So yeah, really good signs there. And hopefully a move materializes soon because for Marco Tilia's career, I think it's this year he should be leaving the A-League. I think after a great season, his best season in the A-League, I would say, it's now or never, or he'll end up having a Danny De Silva kind of career where he's way too good for the A-League, but just not quite good enough for Europe. Yeah, uh, we've seen glimpses of him um, over in France at the Maurice Ravello uh, tournament. He's he's had some game time over there. Hopefully, that tournament is you know, heavily scouted. Hopefully, as well, you, it is. <laughs> as you say, um, they're not sold on him just yet, which makes sense because he hasn't been sold to any club. Uh, great observation there. But hopefully, we see him make that move. To to aside. Like in Belgium, I think that's a good level for him at this point in his career. One of these smaller European leagues where he can, I guess, continue to grow as a footballer and, and, and shine because we know that on his day, he can pull out some absolute highlight reel worthy moments. And he still, he's, he's played in soccer a number of times now. And I'm hoping that we see more of him in years to come. Yep. And that's the big thing for him to develop as well because as we know football is in a TikTok sport it's 90 minutes so it's not just about the highlight and he has to develop that consistently over 90 minutes which this season he has done quite well but still a lot of room to grow in that and so I was just really just appreciating football isn't a TikTok sport that's one of your greatest quotes of all time James oh thank you that was truly masterful Uh, there are plenty of high-profile youngsters who play on the wing uh, for you know, under-23s, under-18s. And for Tilio to continue to have those spots and to, to retain that spot within the national side, he will need to find another gear, I think. Yeah. I also just don't think he's a winger, to be honest. You, you, you prefer him in, in midfield? Yeah, advanced 8, 10. Okay. Okay, well, we'll see how he continues to develop. Another player that you might consider an advanced 8, or a 10, rumoured to be going to Sassuolo, turning down offers, or at least clubs rumoured to wanting to sign him from the Premier League. I think that's a little bit of spin from the, the agent. I'm talking about Volpardo, who there's been some development over the last couple of weeks. We haven't spoken about him in a while. I feel like our Volpardo embargo has lifted, and we can talk about him once again. But there's been some rumours that he, he's not super happy at Roma. He hasn't played as much this season as I guess many of us were expecting. And he's fallen down the pecking order, at least in the Italian you know, preferences. And Arnie is going to go over to Europe and have a chat with him and hopefully convince him, like he has done with Sokardi, who will uh, is in the squad for the Socceroos at the moment, so which is big, big ups. So good. Uh, I'm not against seeing Volpato playing for the Socceroos. I think we've said that before in this podcast that you and I both would love to see him. But I think a move away from Roma is what he needs at this point. Whether he goes to another club in Italy that's 
slightly further down the the table and you know becomes their star player, or maybe he moves away from Italy and plays somewhere else. What what do you think? Oh, that's really hard to say. I feel he's nineteen, right? And I feel like too often in modern football, there's this idea that you should be starting, you know, most games by the time you're 19, 20. And but haven't you said previously on this show that players need to be playing consistently once they reach that age? Once they reach the age of 18, yes, typically playing consistently. That is true. But he is playing consistently because there is use. There is really good use okay. structures in Italy. Sure. In Australia, there isn't good youth structures, so they have to be playing consistent football by the age of eighteen in the A League, because the other option is not playing football. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. There. So he should be featuring more. Um. Ideally, from age eighteen, nineteen, twenty, um, which is the bracket he's in right now, I'd be wanting to see him come off the bench, you know, play. 15 games, say, off the bench, 20 minutes to 30 minutes in those games. Those are the kind of developmental brackets you want to be hitting, the criteria. And he has fallen slightly short. That being said, is the move right for him? Because he's a 19-year-old kid going on 20. If he leaves, it has to be with a guarantee of starting every week, week in, week out. Um, If that's a sale, that would mean that a club has a lot of faith in him. And it seems like Sassuolo do. Sassuolo, Sassuolo. I'll let it One slide. or the other. Uh, it seems like they do have a lot of faith because they made a bid last year for him. 12 months ago. Another bid again. So it seems like they really rate him and they believe in his development to be a first-team player for them. And it seems like, coming out of the reports, it's now interest. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's seeming to wanting to go over to maybe the Premier League. Uh, which, to be honest, suits his style of play probably a bit more. What club? Name or, or a couple of clubs. Brentford. Okay. That, those kind of lower, really intelligent clubs with their money. He's not going to a big club. Okay, that's silly. It would be more so to a lower-end Premier League team. where he's... To Tottenham. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you Brentfords. Um, who else is near the bottom these days? Um, I was going to say Southampton, but they've been relegated. Uh, but th- those kind of clubs okay. that are fairly intelligent in the transfer market pick their targets well, find people that will transition very well physically. Because physically, he has the profile of a Premier League eight. Very okay. big body. Very skilled still with his feet. Um, and he's a similar kind of mold to Tom Rosic, but okay. he's got, a, I think, a lot more of a physical profile. Yes. Um, Hopefully a higher work rate. Yes, and very ability much so. to play ninety minutes. Yeah, he's a lot stronger than Tom Rossick ever was, while still being a bit more agile as well. So, uh, very good physical profile. Uh, so, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a move to Swallow if it's with the guarantee of you know maybe starting twenty games this upcoming season. Wouldn't be a bad move for him. I think it actually would be a phenomenal move for him if he's starting that many games. Uh, but if he's you know coming off the bench ten games, it's kind of a nothing move. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you were you were asking for clubs that were kind of mid-table down the bottom. I feel like Tottenham are that, but... Uh, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say Everton there, mate. No, 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 no. I, it would be fun to see him play under Ange. Yeah, it would be. But I, it's not happening. He's an Ange kind of player as well. Well, that's why I'm I'm being silly. I'm having a bit of a laugh. Him and Matt O'Reilly actually are phenomenal comparisons for similar kind of play styles. Okay. Well, Matt O'Reilly did well under Ange at Celtic, so that it would be fun. And... Hopefully, it would yeah. convince him to play for Australia as well. You'd have yeah. a well. The reports are he's a lot closer now. Yeah, 
Uh, James, is there anyone else that you'd like to talk about transfer-wise? Oh, we could we could do some quick hitters. Uh, sure. Yeah, go quickly. Uh, Yangi, seeing Yangi, rumoured yep. to be over to Europe, six-figure fee, multiple clubs interested. Uh, Western Sydney, foolish not to sell. He's so injury-plagued. Lots of talent, so much talent, but too injury-plagued for me. Yep. Uh, if I'm a club, I'm selling a player that is that injury-plagued, not because he's not good, but as in, in the wise words, I don't remember who said it, but availability is part of ability, Lachlan. Wow, that is... Uh, I mean, you had your earlier TikTok is not a football... Football is not a uh, TikTok sport, I should say. And now this absolutely second <laughs> ripper quote that you don't even remember who said it first. Unreal. You, you're having a blinder tonight. Thanks, James. mate. Um, continuing my uh, quick hitters. Let's have a confirmed transfers. Um, actually, I don't know if this is confirmed, but it's all but confirmed. Patrick Beach... A bit of a name that I think 99.9% of listeners will not know. Add, add me to that list. <laughs> yeah. Um, 50% of hosts do not know. Um, he is a phenomenal young keeper. Okay. Central Coast Mariners, one of the best keepers in all of the MPL last year. 17, I think he is off the top of my head, over to Melbourne City. Okay. So Melbourne City pick up best young keeper in the country for me. In terms of that lower, lower age bracket, yeah, um, great signing, phenomenal. Okay, uh, anyone else? Quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep with the big hitters in terms of released. Yep, De Silva. Oh, pl- so many, so many players released. I just got two to catch yeah, okay, on. Sure. De Silva released, Rafael Borges released. Okay, two, one fringe soccer, yep. one potential future soccer. We'll keep tabs on where they go because that will be a very interesting move. Um, in terms of. Everything. That, that's pretty much it for me for the transfers. That's the transfers. If there's a player that you think we've missed, get in touch with us. Th- there's been a lot. <laughs> I'm sure there has been. Uh, get in touch with us on TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram, or via email, soccerwhospod at gmail.com. That'll be it for the transfers. James, let's get into these under-18s, these under-23s. There's another squad that's been announced, the under-17 squad. It's my favorite time of the year. It is Squad City at the moment. Let's get into these youth squads that have been playing at the moment. I have to say, Lachlan, under-23s football, I think, is my favourite. Yeah? So good to watch. W- why? Uh, I think it's the it's the franticness of it, because they're all kids, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but it's the... They've developed enough tactical knowledge. Yes. That it's good, structured football. But there's so much pride still, because they are still young, mm-hmm. that it just creates a really fun kind of atmosphere. I mean, looking at photos of just the players over there... Yeah. Uh, Unless it, you play guitar and then it's horribly boring. <laughs> oh. But I, I mean, I've been looking at the, the social media and it looks like one of the best camps to be involved in. Like, playing in a tournament that is of a high Very quality. Very prestigious. But then also, like, I was speaking to a player and they were saying that way better than going to some of these nations where, you know, let's be real, Third world nations, the accommodation's probably not as good. Like the where they're staying at the moment, and I think Football Australia probably learnt their lesson from a news story a few years ago about those kind of yes, nations. Yeah. Um, so you know there are certainly some nations that are more desirable to play football in, and I think France is one of those ones. They're playing at a high level. Uh, Qatar, okay, not a fantastic result. We we went down. I thought it was interesting what they do in this tournament. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. If if it's a draw at the end of the game, they go to penalties. Winner gets an extra point, uh, and the winner gets an extra point, which I love. I yeah, I don't hate that. It's 
I, I, I would love to see that standardized. It, At the end of 90 minutes. You don't go 120. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, just I really in, just like Just in it. tournament football, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if they did that in the league, though. How... I mean, it would ju- you you would be justified in taking Andrew Redmayne to the World Cup because <laughs> you'd play for a draw and then you just you know cross your fingers and hope that he makes a save. That that's the one way that I could see him retaining his spot in the Socceroos squad is if that was a standardised thing. But unfortunately, yes, going down to Qatar, we then took on a Mediterranean semi-pro team. Basically, that was. Look, I watch that. I don't get to watch a lot of uh, football because of the nature of my work, uh, and most games are happening when I'm asleep. But uh, this Mediterranean game, I thought was very interesting because they've kind of had to pull together a side from nowhere because there was a late, I guess, team pulling out. One of the nations, I can't remember off the top of my head, they've pulled out, so they've gone, okay, well, let's just throw a side together. Uh, this, the standard... I was quite surprised by how good Mediterranean the team was. Uh, they're a fairly decent standard. I thought we made a couple of defensive mistakes in that game, though, that led yeah. to the goals. Um, what I will say is two things. Okay. A one touch on a general football thing. It's not general, actually. It's very France-specific. Mm-hmm. These are a bunch of semi-pro players from France. Okay. French football has horrendous talent ID. Okay. Really, really bad talent ID. And you see it in these semi-professional games where there are semi-professional players playing in France who should never be semi-professional, that they're so talented that they should be having professional deals. Are you saying that we should, A-League clubs should be scouting semi-professional French? To be honest, it wouldn't be bad. Okay. Like, if I'm always believed that Alien clubs need to be smarter with their visa players. And there are young players that you can sign in visa slots and yes. sell them for huge money because of their passport situations. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's just a general thing that just because you see, oh, same professional Mediterranean, they're same professional French okay. based players. They're yep. very, very talented, very, very good. So that's one thing. Don't underestimate them. Mm-hmm. Um, two, the Qatar game and the Mediterranean game showed our weaknesses yes. very, very well, which is good. We struggle to create against a low block, Qatar. We struggle with direct aerial balls into our box, Mediterranean. Those have been Australia's two big weaknesses for a very long time. And then we play Mexico, and our strengths are fully on display because they play to our strengths. Yep. So it was actually three very good group games because it showed exactly where Australian football is headed and shows the growth that we have seen over the last you know, X amount of years, right? We struggle still against low block, Mm -hmm. always have and still do, but we actually dealt with the aerial prowess Mediterranean quite well. You know, five, 10 years ago, (laughs) we could have lost that game. Yeah. Right? Um, What I'll now do is I'll just go over the players specifically. We've got a lot of football to cover. Yeah. So Uh, I think just quickly going over some players, I think would be good. I guess if you maybe could highlight uh, briefly, who has stood out to you so far this tournament? We've yep. got a game against Panama tomorrow night. Semi final. Semi final. Uh, and then the winner either plays Mexico or France. Um, Huge. Which is big. We've already beaten Mexico. Um, hopefully, we get to Convincingly play. Convincingly as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe just highlight some of the players that you have been really impressed by and players that 
um, yeah, we can expect to see potentially in the Socceroos squad soon. Yeah, I think Billa Kapic was solid, decent mm-hmm. performance. Um, never really tested, but he didn't make a couple of errors, a bit nervy. But you can also put that down to he was never really challenged, so cold hands. Yeah. Um, so I just want to highlight because I've sold some Billa Kapic slander, which is okay. not stand. You, you, you're against the Billa Kapic slander. No. Uh, what I will say, though, is Italiano was, I think he's had a phenomenal tournament. Okay. A lot of people um, preferred Talbo coming into the tournament, I think, at right back. And seeing Italiano play at right back was such a breath of fresh air. Obviously, a right winger in mm-hmm. his youth days, converted to right back. And my goodness, if he can get some senior football under his belt, a Mission Gladback, or alone somewhere else, a Socceroos defense with Italiano and Boss as the attacking fullbacks it would be insane. You'd love that? He he was so... He's very much like Boss in the way that he can overlap, he can invert, mm-hmm. he can underlap, he can do all those things so well and his finishing ability in the box. Because he used to be a winger, right? Yep. Great decision maker. So seeing him as a right back, but also holding his own in defensive duels, yep. great to see. And I think right back is such a phenomenal spot that suits his skill set. Captain, leader, really good to see. Really good tournament, I think, so far for him. And not really... I don't think people have sung his praises enough on the Twitter timeline for me. I think he's had a really good tournament. Uh, some people have sung the praises about Ryan Teague. I think he's also... I, I agree. Off the ball, he is our best midfielder, and it's not really close. Okay. Yep. Off the ball movement, phenomenal. Um, sometimes, on the ball, a bit too direct. A bit too many searching balls, uh, but that's the classic Australian soccer way that seems to get people really happy. I also think it's a classic Trevor Morgan way. Yeah, okay. I think that's a tactical instruction because when you see him play those natural, intricate passing balls with Dwayne Hoff, who has had also had a really good tournament mm. for me, you can see his talent, right? So I, 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 think- I think those poor moments on the ball where he's played a searching ball that hasn't really connected, was kind of to an isolated player and... People say, oh, he's open. He's open for a reason. The defense wants the ball to go there, right? That's why he's isolated. Um, it seemed poor, like, but I think that's tactical direction, okay. so you shouldn't hold that against Ryan Teague. It seemed like when we were chasing, I guess, I'll say we were chasing the game against uh, the Mediterranean side because we wanted to win that game. I think walking away from that game with a, with a draw or a loss you know, isn't good enough. But when we were chasing that game, it seemed like he got a little bit of white line fever at times where he just... It was like uh, that he, there was one time specifically where he had a, a pass open on his right, and I've seen him a couple of times in, in another camp where the option might be there, and he's just going, "I'll just have a crack here." And look, personally, I don't mind people having a crack, but when it's justified, the shot they made went over the fence that was like. I don't know how tall that fence is. It's a big fence, so it was a, not a great. And maybe this is me just picking on one mistake that he made. But, yeah, I, I'm excited to see the benefit and the, the good sides of his game yeah. even more. Yeah, his off-the-ball movement, I think, is phenomenal. And that alone makes him one of the most promising <laughs> midfield prospects because off-the-ball movement and Australian midfielders typically aren't something you put together. There you go. Uh, anyone else who's impressing you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. Jordan E. Cordy Perkins has had such a good tournament. His, You can tell... He's had a big season playing on the left side of, you know, a back three. Sometimes he's had a left back and a back four. Forced to push up the field, create, and get 
more comfortable with the ball at his feet. Scored a goal, because first now, goal in the A-League. Yeah, but, but because now playing as a left-sided centre-back, ball-playing centre-back, he is phenomenal. He is so composed now. You know, his first into the role, not very composed, mm. right? A bit more, you know, let's get it up there, play it safe, which is fine for a young centre-back. But since, you know, having that time at left-back, transitioning back now to a central centre-back, it's night and day. The development is so clear, which... To be honest, for a loan move, that's exactly what you want to see from a young player. Yeah. He's, he's developed that composure and that ball-playing ability so much, and that will serve him brilliantly for the rest of his career. So, really good tournament for him. Um, I think probably two other players I'll touch on. Um, Grant Wall, spectacular. Yep. No surprises. No. <laughs> we'll move on. Um a couple of disappointments now to oh, roll no. about. Oh. Um, Velupale. Okay. Just not good okay. at this level. I think he'll be a good A-League player. Um, he's not a future soccer for me. Okay. He's just too far off the pace. Uh, another disappointment for me, Marley Francois. Um, yeah. Drifted in and out of the game a bit too much when he got the ball. A bit too direct. Try to take on his man. I love the fact that he's two-footed. And that makes me feel like it's probably given him a lot more minutes than maybe he should get based on his ability. Okay. Because we want a left winger. He can play as a left winger, uh, but I don't think he's quite... He's not in our best 11. It's his mm. talent, but because of how tactics work... Decent utility off your option off the bench. Yeah, yeah. He could become a soccer player, but not a great tournament for me. Mm. Um, and I would have loved to see Tilio on that left wing, to be honest, as a left-footed winger. I know I said he's more of an eight. I think long-term that would be better for him. But the reason we see him playing in wing in these tournaments is because Australians, left-footed wingers, don't really exist. Was he subbed on at one point to play? I feel like I saw him make a run down yeah. the line in the... Not much. Yeah. He okay. hasn't played as much as I would have hoped. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I think that's everyone. Cap- Pupion's had a decent tournament. Duragio's had a decent tournament. Dorigo? Um, Dorigo, sorry. Come on, mate. You're, you're so close to being struck out. I know there's a baseball term. You, Too you, many strikes. You've had you've had your, your yellow card, and you're on your last last legs watching you. Um, and yeah, I think Triantis has also had a very good tournament. So those probably, for me, as I go through them all, I think, oh, no, Botic as well. Very good. Very, very good as number nine. I think out of all the number nines we've played, he's been the best. Okay. That's a big call. Uh, as always with tournaments like this and uh, when we're providing our opinion, we hope to be proved wrong uh, when we say that a player hasn't performed too well. Uh, and a tournament can be a, it's, it's a period of time where it's not a full judgment, I guess, of how a p- player will play for the rest of their career. So, yeah, hopefully those players that you did mention at the end there that didn't play so well uh, can prove you wrong. I love being proven wrong. Uh Shall we talk now about the under-18s, James? Sounds good. There's uh, more tournament football happening, more youth football happening with the under-18s. There is an under-17 squad that's just been announced as well. We'll get to that in just a second. But this under-18s squad, James, how do you think they're going? Shall we do a quick, I guess, update? Just like we did with the 23s just then on the under-18s. Yeah, sounds good. Obviously, um a tough loss against Portugal. A tough loss against England and a good win against Norway. And Lachlan. Yes. I think they were the best side in all three games. Okay. Big call. Yeah. Portugal and England. Very good. I mean, 
Norway have produced Norway very good. Norway have produced, I guess, one, two, maybe two players. Some three. guy called Erling Haaland. Yeah, he's all right. He's, he's okay. Because uh, someone won some European trophy. That, yeah. 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 Mm. He's all right. He's okay. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, Australia better, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I think honestly they were better. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a moments of defensive weakness against Portugal. Well, four moments that all came in the space of it felt like three minutes. <laughs> um, when it rains, it pours. And then three personal defensive errors, and those were the only three defensive errors all game, and they all led to goals against England. And then much more solid at the back against Norway, and we get the result. And that's also just the nature of <laughs> under-18 football, right? Mm-hmm. Defenders are erratic. They're going to adolescence still. They haven't finished developing their frontal lobe. Yes. Decision-making isn't good. But that's okay, and that's why it's fun to watch, because football like that is fun. Well, James, and- yeah, briefly, I, I guess let's let's highlight some of those players that have been doing well. I'm I'm aware of the time. This podcast is getting up in a number uh, of minutes, so... I'll be quick. Okay, sure. Sure. Phenomenal. I'll start with. Yep. Eunice. Wow. Yes. He's good. Very, very good. Europe knocking soon, because this is going to be a highly scout tournament as well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to hear some rumours that, you know, especially German clubs, I think, would be in very natural fit, are interested. Um, Drakovic, also very good. Badalato, eh, yep. okay. Um, refreshing to see a winger being able to play in the half turn. Uh, doesn't quite have the athletic profile for me. Has the technical profile. I would love to see him a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mazone, very, very good. My goodness, phenomenal to see him playing in the green and gold because he is very, very talented. And I think probably, from my memory, the best number nine I have seen at a youth level for Australia in my lifetime, probably. In terms wow. Of the time I've been watching, which is early 2010s. Wow. That's... A massive shout. He's he's just composed beyond his years. His decision-making is impeccable. I mean, the the number one thing with a striker, right, mm-hmm. is they love the ball at his feet. But he has the presence of mind to recognize when he's got a player on his back and let the ball run behind him to go to the open man in Capuzo, who has also had a phenomenal tournament. So Caputo, sensational. Jovanovic, sensational. Uh, and finally, Ocon, Englister, sensational tournament. Those names that I've just said, mm. for me... A star star. Wow. Okay. And it really gets me excited because the technical ability they are already showing are mixing it with the world's best. Yes. Right? We've played the world's best and they're mixing it with the world's best. For the ones that are based in Europe, it's about kicking on now. I think some of them will and will continue to. I mean, Mazone is highly regarded in the Wolfsburg Academy, which is one of the best academies in all of Germany. Um, Ocon, based in the Benfica Academy. Right, and highly regarded over there. He just got a contract extension for another two years, Lachlan. And if you haven't heard, Benfica, I think one of the best academies in the world. So that's a good thing as well. So the rest of them, A-League based. All right. You know, we've got Western Sydney. We have um, Adelaide United. We have Melbourne City. uh, And I think that's the three clubs. Yeah, those are the three A-League clubs holding their contracts right now. So... Really important. We see how well Adelaide do. So I'm I'm comfortable with Jovanovic right now. 
Unis I'm a bit uncomfortable with because Western Sydney Wanderers haven't shown a good track record. Maybe Central Coast will come knocking soon and then all my worries will be gone. That's the pipeline, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Western Sydney Central Coast. Uh, Linda Sunderland. Yes. (laughs) It has been in the past Brisbane to Melbourne victory, but we haven't seen that for a little while. Uh, But no, yeah. Exciting times. Exciting times. Some very high-profile players within that squad, within that I guess that group of players. What I would say is all three of these games available for free on the Football Australia YouTube channel. Wow. Just go and watch them. Yeah. Watch this next generation because they're special. Mm. And it really gets you excited for the future of Australian football because the talent technically that we see here mix it with the world's best. And it, it gives me a lot of hope, right? Because Australian football for so long has struggled on the world stage. And seeing... Us finally playing in these tournaments and playing well, really giving a really good account of ourselves and actually showing, no, from the ages of zero to 18, we get it right, apart from the prices. <laughs> we get it right in terms of how we develop the talent. And that gives me hope that one day we will figure out the 18 to 23 age bracket and then we will be, like the Tillies, competing for World Cups. Yeah, that... It gets me excited because I, I think that physically we can match it with the world's best. We produce some fantastic athletes in Australia across a whole range of different sports. And just something needs to click. It hasn't quite clicked just yet, but I feel like we're getting there slowly but surely in terms of producing high-profile players. We've, we used to in the past, but it's kind of dropped off a little bit since then and now we're we're kind of rebuilding we're in a rebuilding era some of these players in this under 17 squad that's just been announced to play in the under 17 Asian Cup in Thailand they will also I guess contribute to the this rebuilding and this yep. emergence of talent in Australia uh, should I quickly run through this squad yeah and, uh, if you want and you can give a thumbs up or neutral a, thumb a, a bit of a, a rating on where we might see them in, in years to come. Yeah, or I, or I could just go through the big names if you want as well. Cause uh, if you can tell... There's a lot of just MPL footballers in this list. If you can tell, we've heavily thought out and planned this episode. Um, so, yeah, let's do that. Let's just go through some of the, the, hi- the highlights. For me, at least, I can tell you that I recognise some of these names. I would say that out of the two of us, I'm probably more of the average punter who might not know... Everyone, uh, Aaron Kundagai is all right. I heard. Yeah, I've, I've, I know, I know about him. Uh, Peter Antonu at Melbourne City. Yep, he's good. Uh, I recognise Zach Zach De Jesus, De Jesus uh, at Sydney. Uh, I rec- Mitch Glasson, Sydney FC attacker yep. as well. Jordan Hoey from Victory. Uh, Eddie Ince, and then Adriano Lebib is the, probably the other name that I recognize oh Pavlicic Anthony Pavlicic oh, as well thank goodness because I was about to say that's probably one that you should really get familiar no. with and the other name Lachlan that you need to get familiar with okay. in this list I think my pick for the breakout star in terms of young players in the A-League next year Miguel De Pizio De Pizio De Pizio uh, De Pizio De Pizio De Pizio De Pizio Miguel okay so good man Central Coast Mariners yep. uh, product plays in midfield what does he play? Six, eight, ten? Free, free eight. Free eight. Yeah. Th- think of Marco Tilio if Marco Tilio had a bit more legs. Okay. Uh, is, that obviously... a, is that a short joke? That's not okay. No, man. no. Speed. Okay. 
Because yeah, we know that Marco Tilly is a shorter... No, it's about his speed. Okay. Um, obviously, technical profile has to round out still, uh, but a very talented technical player nonetheless. And for me, huge name in this list, obviously, we've got Aaron Kunda. I, I'm a really big fan of Labib as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's very underrated. I think it's going to follow in the pipeline of, you know, MPL, New South Wales doesn't really get the game time he deserves in the Sydney comp, you know, with the Sydney clubs will end up going to like a central coast and, you know, blow it away. I can just see him following in that yeah, okay. traditional pipeline. Uh, but yeah, I think the names you've mentioned, you know, good footballers, but Depizio, Iren Kunda, Pavlicic, and oh, I really like Labib as well in that list. Um, are probably the biggest ones. And uh, I, I like Mitch Glasson as well, who I believe you mentioned. Yes, I so, did. So I think for me, those are probably the biggest names on that list, but it's a really good tournament and hopefully we see a really good showing at the Asian cup because I mean, under 17 world cup qualification is on the line. Yeah. I mean, you can catch all the action uh, live and free on 10 play. So, so good. We've got the YouTube channel football Australia where you can watch the under 18s. You can watch the 23s, I think on, on KO or ESPN um, or Foxtel if you have that. And then you, you can watch on live and free on 10 play more youth football. And then tonight, I'm hoping that we'll have this podcast out because there's not you, ha- you haven't made any you know horrible remarks, James. That I'll have to edit out. out. This bit is gonna go, mate. I don't know. It's a great bit. It, <laughs> it really, it's got it's got legs in it. I reckon. Uh, is that a Marcatilio joke? No, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't say such a thing, James. Uh, this we've got the Argentina game that kicks off also. Uh, I believe Paramount Plus and Channel Ten tonight at ten o'clock. I'll be asleep. I'll maybe watch it tomorrow morning. I'll be caffeinated. Uh, yes. If you have heard throughout this episode, James has been sipping away on a nice coffee. I apologize. These microphones in this studio, very sensitive. I'm getting better. You are getting better. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this fun, little bit of a loose episode. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us via our socials, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. We will be reviving those, I promise. Uh, we haven't really touched them, but hey, the uh, the school holidays are coming up, which means that I have a little bit more time on my hands because I'm not having to, to be up at ridiculous o'clock. So there might be some, some fun videos that we will upload. Get in touch with us also via email, of course, if you're a fan of the more formal correspondence. Greetings, gentlemen. That's how we like to be addressed in, in those emails. Soccerwhospod at gmail.com. So we're signing off this episode with some kind regards. <laughs> kind regards. Uh, enjoy the football. Enjoy the Socceroos Argentina match. And we'll catch you for an Argentina recap next week. And probably a recap of all the other football going on. Until then, see ya.